0: Glad I got to come and worship him today. How about you? You know, even if I had to wear a plaid shirt on a hot day. My wife said the other day, this should be Hawaiian shirt Sunday. So uh, maybe we'll come up with one of those. But it is fall, and uh, summer's my favorite season. Can I get an amen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But fall is pretty good. I like the fact that we get the change of seasons here in Michigan, don't you? And I like to think of God when he created everything, and Put his uh, handiwork on planet Earth. He got it just so, just the way he wanted it. And then he went, "Mm," 23 degrees. That'll give him fun. That'll change it up, right? That'll create the change of the seasons. And we have so much to thankful for, to be thankful for. There's no God like our God. And we're here to celebrate him today with cider and donuts and flannel. And most importantly, the chance to sing his praises, and to listen to His Word. So if you have the outline from today's program, would you pull it out? Or if you have the Version app on your phone, you can fire it up. I was on there earlier today. You know, you go to U Version and go down to the bottom. It says events. You open up events, and it's really cool. It automatically finds the closest event scheduled, and that would be Davison Free Methodist nation all right i like to call us davis at free methodist Nation because we're not just like church institution exist for ourselves you know be satisfied and comfortable that's not us right that is not us we are davis at free methodist nation we are on a mission we love god with all our heart soul mind and strength and in this church everyone's welcome nobody's perfect and anything's possible And so that's why we're Davison Free Methodist Nation. The Bible says we are a royal nation, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. So that's us. Today I want to take us one uh, paragraph and one chapter further into this amazing letter to the Ephesian Christians. So if you have scriptures there, turn to the letter of Ephesus. And today we're going to talk specifically about the last section of chapter 3. So far, we have talked about the fact that God changes lives. Christianity is not just uh, being a little bit nicer. It's being transformed from the inside out. It's not treating people a little bit better. It's treating people like we would want to be treated. It's not loving God a little bit more. It's loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. How much of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? All. Would you say that with me? all, all. So when you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's transforming. That's life-changing. I I wish we could all get it. (laughs) I wish it could get us, because when our faith is, is just sort of simple and shallow, we forget the fact that Jesus Christ came to change us completely from the inside out. And part of the change he wants to make, we've already read about it, is change, he wants to change us by filling us with grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to change us by blessing us in the heavenlies with every spiritual blessing. We ought to be overwhelmed by the blessings of God. He wants to make us alive in him. In fact, if you have invited Jesus to be your leader and forgiver, Before that, you were dead, and now you're alive. How cool is that? God has made us one big family. That was last Sunday's sermon. Jesus has broken down, abolished, completely destroyed the dividing wall of hostility between us and anybody who is unlike us. Any of those we would naturally find distance from and and difference with, In Christ if they're in Christ and we're in Christ we're family we're one no matter where we came from no matter what color our skin is or what language we first learned or who we voted for or what football team we cheered for whether we're happy today or sad today and you know who you are in Jesus Christ we're one we don't hate anybody around here it's not haters gonna hate it's lovers gonna love amen Give me an mm mm-hmm, something. Let me know you're out there, okay? And so now, Paul is about to take us to a new place, teach us a new lesson. He taught us all that, and if you read the New Testament letters that he wrote back to churches where he'd once been the pastor, he does the same thing in almost every letter. He spends the first half inspiring us, helping us to think big thoughts. To think about how great Jesus is and how wonderful our faith is. And then he turns the page and in the second half of the letter, he tells us, so what? So in the book of Ephesians, we turn to chapter 4 and he tells us, so as a result of all these blessings and this amazing faith that we have and the fact that we're alive and the fact that we're one, this is how a church ought to work. And this is how a family ought to treat each other. This is what a husband should be like. This is what a wife should be like. These are how kids should respond. This is what parents should do. That's all coming up. But before he goes there, he has one more thing to tell us. One more thing he wants to get deep into our souls. It's how much God loves us. And I know for most of us, that's like, well, I got that. You know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, I get it, you know. Well, I'm not sure we do. In fact, I'm pretty sure we don't, because we're going to look at this passage from Ephesians chapter 3, and it says this, for this reason I kneel before the Father, this is Paul talking to the Ephesians, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, and I pray for you. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp, would you read this out loud with me? To grasp how wide and long and high is the love of Christ. Let's keep going. And to know this love, yeah, let's keep reading. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Wow. You're going to be filled to all the measure of all the fullness of God when you know how, what was it, wide, long, high, deep is the love of Christ. And then I love this sentence here. And to know this love, okay, God's love, that surpasses knowledge. Hello? We're going to know something we can't know. We're going to understand something we can't understand. Because you cannot understand the love of God intellectually, you can only experience the love of God. You only understand more fully how much God loves you when God's love radically rips your heart and says, I love you with an everlasting love. I love you so much that you can't see how wide and long and high and deep it is. This is our God, and this is his love. And before today is done, before this message is over, it's my prayer that the Lord will help us to know that which surpasses knowledge. Wow. A quick lesson in love. I don't know about you, but I love my family, which includes my wife, Nancy, and our kids, and I love our grandkids. Have I mentioned my grandkids? Uh, Today we have extended family visiting us from Florida, Nancy's sister and and Nancy's niece and her family, and we love them. I love them. I love uh, good food. Anybody here? Uh, Strong coffee, hot cider, boysenberry pie. Uh, Anybody going to bring some pumpkin for our first Wednesday? Pumpkin something? I hope so. Pumpkin loaf, pumpkin... Bread, pumpkin, what else? Pie. Pie, I knew, it. amen to that, okay. Um, I love sweet and salty gourmet popkin- popcorn from Horrocks Farm Market in Lansing. I love Karen Jackson's chocolate truffle with Snickers and brownie bits, because I had it the other day at one of our funeral lunches. I love Sunday afternoon drives to Ortonville for old-fashioned A&W root beer. I love warm, sunny days in late October. And you may have noticed that all those things have a slightly different degree of love, right? You don't want to get how much you love your wife mixed up with how much you love root beer. <laughs> so if you, if you understand the Greek language in which the New Testament was written, you know they distinguish those. There's at least four different words for love. Romantic love is eros. Brotherly love is phileo. Strong and connected love for things and places is storge. But God's love is a whole other category. God's love is agape, agapeo. Love that always acts in the best interest of the other. Always. We don't don't love like that. We can't love like that. Our love comes and goes. It's stronger and it's weaker. God's love never changes. I think we just sang about that, didn't we? His love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out. Love that goes beyond feelings all the way to sacrifice. Love that took Jesus all the way to the cross. I'm going to ask the ushers to help me. And uh, they're going to come, and we have a small gift for every person here this morning. So come on, come on up. I need three, four people are going to help me with my gift to you on Fall Festival Flannel Sunday, all right? And uh, just pass them around, pass them through the pews. Everybody gets one. Okay, here we go. All right, and what, what they're passing out you don't get to pick, you just have to share it. you don't get to pick through them. You have to take okay, well, all right. we're going to get a little tiny cross, okay. Did anybody see in this passage uh, the dimensions of love that uh, we're supposed to learn about, how wide and anybody else, wide and long and high and deep, you know? The early Christians when they read this passage, this is what they thought of. The cross. How wide and long the crossbeam on which Jesus was nailed. How high and deep that long center of the cross to which his feet were nailed and on which his thorn-crowned head was sacrificed for us. And so I'd like you to take this cross and just have it with you. We're going to use it here as we go through the message. So God wants us to think about his love, not our love, not temporary love, not shallow love, not romantic love, selfless love, agape love. And he says that Because this is such an important issue for us and for them, that he kneels, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family on earth, heaven and earth, derives its name. I love how he plays with words. He's saying, I pray to the father of every father, because where does a family get its name? From its father's last name, right? So he says, I'm praying to the father of all fathers, I am begging him. I am pleading with him. I am on my knees for you. Now, you got to understand, in the ancient Middle East, hardly anybody prayed kneeling. Prayers in New Testament times were almost always prayed standing. So, when he says, I kneel before the Father of all fathers, he's saying, this is big. <laughs> this is important. This is urgent. I don't know about you, but in our family, in our home, when we've got something urgent, (laughs) it's life and death, it's heaven or hell, it's something that we are just passionate about, we kneel, right? We kneel when we pray. And that's what Paul is saying. This is so important. Don't miss this. I am praying for you on my knees, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love, so if you have the outline there or you're on you version, the first villain is that you may be rooted in Christ's love, because roots imply depth and growth. If you're ever going to be strong in your faith and stay strong in Christ, no matter what, you need Roots. Deep, healthy, spiritual roots that hold you steady when the storms come, that nourish you, that keep you growing, that keep you from getting stale and stuck. He's on his knees begging Father God to help us get roots. And he says that we will get those, that God will grant that when we, this is your second fill in, grasp what Christ's love is, how wide it is, how long it is, how high it is, how deep it is. That's the key to growing deep roots. It's wide enough for the whole world, long enough for all time, high enough to reach the heavens, and deep enough for the lowest sinners. I don't know, I was thinking this week about that old song, uh, so high you can't get over it so low. You can't get under it so wide. You can't get around it, you must come in at the door, right? This is God's love, wide enough for the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Who does God love? Everyone, the world. Or better yet, who does he not love? Nobody. Even the people we find hardest to love, right? God still loves us. God even loves bad people. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. So he's wide enough to include the whole world, long enough for all time. Like I think of the word long in terms of like how long, how long is this guy going to talk, right? How long is this sermon going to be? Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. There are times in my life when I was not thinking about God, when I was going my own way, when I wondered where the turning point would happen, if it ever would. And I know that when I got to the end of myself, Jesus was there. He can outweigh you. As long as it takes, he keeps loving you. I know people who have lived their entire life running from God and far from faith, and in the last moments, thankfully, they turn to Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I know. You can't predict that, right? I was talking with a friend the other day, and I said, don't wait. I've been there. I've been there in those last moments when someone was, you know, about to cross from this time into eternity, and... Unfortunately for some, that last moment comes quicker than they expect. They're not in a position or frame of mind to be able to really pray. How long does God love us? As long as it takes. His love never fails. never runs out. He never gives up on us. God's love, in the words of that great theologian, Buzz Lightyear goes to infinity and beyond, right? It's long enough. It's high enough to reach the heavens. All of us are a little bit anxious about what's going to happen at the end of life, hoping for heaven. Romans 8.38 says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Even death can't separate us from God's love. How cool is that? There is nothing in this life or the next that can separate us from the love of Christ. God keeps loving us. And he will love us all the way to our heavenly home. High enough to take us home to heaven and deep enough for the lowest sinner. When I think about love that's deep, I think about the depths of the human heart, and sometimes the depths of our sin. Someone has rightfully said, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Keep going from God long enough, far enough, and you will end up down, down in the dumps, down and out, down and dirty, down in despair. Down, do be do, down, down, <laughs> and down there. God will still love you. Philippians chapter two puts it this way. Christ Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Would you take the cross? This is the symbol of how much God loves you. His love is wide and long and high and deep. And he loves you so much that he gave his one and only son who stepped down from heaven to earth to become one of us who humbled himself, became a servant, and died. But he didn't just die. He died on a cross, the Bible says. A symbol of suffering, a symbol of execution. This has become for us a positive symbol symbol, (laughs) instead of something negative. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Paul in this passage closes his prayer by praying one more thing. It's your last fill-in there, that you may personally know Christ's love. How do we know Christ's love? He says it's unknowable. It's, you can't grasp it or fully understand it. You can only really receive it. Romans. says, but God demonstrates his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God loves people, all people everywhere for all time. God loves sinners. God loves bad people. God loves people, bad people who are being bad, When I read this passage, while we were still sinners, while you were doing the worst thing you've ever done, while I was in my worst moment of sin and selfishness, he still loved me. And he loves me and he loves you even now. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. My sins, your sins, the sins of the whole world need to be paid for. We owe a a moral debt to God for all that we've said and done and thought and not done that we should. And Jesus paid that debt on my behalf, on your behalf. God is love. He doesn't do love, feel love, show love, express love. He is love. God is crazy about you. And the cross shows the full extent of his love. You, you remember what Max Lucado said? If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If you had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Face it, God is crazy about you. And then there's that verse we already mentioned, the verse that summarizes our faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God started it. God so loved the world. I think a lot of us, I know I have, kind of turn that verse around. You know, the world loved God so much that he gave us his one and only son, so I need to love God more. Well, I do need to love God more, but it doesn't start with me. Loving him more doesn't make him love me more. He just loves me. He is cray-cray for me, <laughs> and I'm excited about that. God so loved me that he sent his son. So the other day, I was thinking about God so loved. Why did he put that in there? God so loved. Have you ever so loved somebody, like just been all in? I was thinking about our kids, and the other day, I, w- I was going to my uh, swimming class in the morning workout and this lady saw me coming and she said Teal your last name is Teal is your daughter the I think she used the expression beauty queen and of course she had gotten our last name mixed up with someone else's last name and it caught me off guard <laughs> because the fact of the matter is uh, our daughter Angela competed in the Miss America contest representing Azusa California when she was well, it's the Miss America contest, but it was for Miss California. That's right there. But she is beautiful. You got you know, you to help me out. So I, so she was Miss Azusa, which is the city that she lived in when she was studying for her master's degree. Did I get that right? right are we good? Right. Love you, dear. So, um, So as Miss Azusa, she goes to the Miss California pageant, which was in Fresno. We lived in... Uh, Temperance, Michigan, and we made the trip out there because we so love our daughter, right? And so, if you've ever been through one of those things, they go through the whole pageant in a rehearsal before they broadcast it on television, and so we were there for all of that, right? So the rehearsal time, they go through their talent, and everybody sings, and our daughter gets up there, and she sings, and I'm up in the stands, and I'm going, was amazing, she was the best, you know, embarrassing everybody uh, who knows me, and like, I don't care, I so love my daughter, right, I so love her, I'm willing to be, you know, over-the-top crazy dad, now, unfortunately, she didn't win Miss California, because the judges were blind and deaf, but anyway... (laughs) She did win the scholarship for the highest academic standing among any of the contestants. And when she received her award, her dad and her mom were both on our feet going, that's our girl, right? See, we, we are in love. We love her. We so love her. God so loved the world. He said his one and only son. And we don't always get it, and we forget it. We think it's about our love, and we forget His love. So today I want to remind you that you are the one God loves. He loves you with a perfect, never-ending love. A sacrificial, selfless love that gave His one and only Son. So I'm working on this message, and I'm thinking, okay, how, how do we wind this up? Like, we all know this. We've all heard this. There's no, good new, there's no new news here. There's good news, but it's not new. And I heard this young preacher, some of you may have heard him too, Judah Smith out of a City Church in Seattle. And he was talking about um, the story in Scripture, John chapter 11, when Lazarus is sick and about to die. And his sisters, anybody know his sisters' names? Mary and Martha, they send for Jesus. And they they tell Jesus, you know, he's he's very, very sick and you need to come. And interestingly, Jesus doesn't hurry. He takes his time. When he gets there, Lazarus is already gone. So what does Jesus do? (laughs) Raises him from the dead, right? So now when Martha and Mary were trying to get Jesus to come, Remember what they did? They sent him a note. They sent Jesus a note. And the note said, the one you love is sick. Not the one who loves you. The one you love is sick. And Jesus did come. And Jesus did raise him from the dead. What would it be like for you to realize that you are the one he loves. How would it be if this week when you pray, you pray, Jesus, it's me, it's Glenn, the one you love. And this is what I need to talk to you about. And this is what's going on in my life. And this is how I need your help. And I want to love you back. So that's why I gave you a cross. So you could put it in your pocket, put it on the bathroom counter, put it somewhere where you'll see it. For me, I've been, for the last three days since we got these, I've had it in my pocket the whole time. And it has been the coolest thing because every time I sort of accidentally put my hand in my pocket and I'm going, I'm the one he loves. Let's pray. Lord God, as we draw our service to the close, we pray that this truth would find a home in our hearts. And I know we're going to sing in just a moment, we're going to sing that song again, but may we sing it with a fresh fervor and a new passion. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. And Lord, if there have been some of us here who've been more worried about our love and less concerned about yours, forgive us. Remind us today how much you love us, how crazy you are about us, that you would send Jesus to die for us. And so for every follower of Jesus, every believer in the room, may we be more open to your love than ever before. May we be more thankful than ever before. May we be changed by your love in a new and deeper way. And Lord, we receive it by faith today. And before we close, Lord, I also pray for anybody who has never surrendered their lives to you. They don't know your love. They know about it. But it's a different thing to know about it than to know it. And I ask that in this moment, as we pray, that we would open our hearts And lives to you. Fill us. Forgive us. Come and live in us. Because you love us. And because of your love, Lord, we love you back. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing it together.